This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weather Lounge, a podcast brought to you by Weatherworks. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen. Well, the seasons, they are changing now for sure. Parts of the Midwest and interior Northeast have already seen their first snow of the season, and the rest, I'm sure, will see snow in the coming weeks. So that is a good segue, I think, to talk about our podcast topic today, the final winter outlook from us here at Weatherworks. And for that, let's bring in our chief meteorologist, Jim Sullivan. Hey there, Jim. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Ah, not too bad. You know, it's uh, it's getting to be that time of the year. Uh, we've got snow on, I guess, the fringe areas of the Northeast. You know, uh, the Midwest has already seen some dustings here and there. So the, the, uh, the signs are, are there for sure. Yeah, and I guess right on schedule, right? Middle of November. Um, and yeah, like a good chunk of the Midwest saw some some snow over the weekend, at least some flakes, if not some accumulations in, in some areas, like parts of Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania saw some accumulations. Western Pennsylvania, we should clarify, Philadelphia very much did not. And then, yeah, here in the Northeast, um, some spots, the higher terrain saw some accumulations over the, the weekend. The Poconos got a dusting. Um, like I saw Vermont, New Hampshire got up to a few inches in some of the mountains. So we're getting there. Yeah. The I-95 corridor is still safe, but uh, I think that'll be changing here, I'm sure, as I said, in the uh, next couple of weeks. And we've already had a couple of lake effect uh, events, uh, again, mainly for, you know, the western Pennsylvania, upstate New York areas. So, you know, that's uh, that's another sign that the, uh, the seasons are, uh, you know, going towards winter. But you know what, Jim, before we get into our final winter outlook and uh, talking about, you know, the the upcoming uh, couple of months here, I kind of want to talk about what happened over this past weekend, which was November 14th, the Saturday, because it was a very anomalous event for this time of the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The 13th, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. And, you're right. November 13th. It was a Saturday. Yeah, well, it's funny because that is when the Poconos got their first dusting of snow, as did some of the mountains in upstate New York and New England. But yeah, you're talking not snow, but severe weather, right? Yeah, I mean, this this was something that, you know, it, the signs were there and everyone was like, oh, well, you know, it's November. And then, you know, within the 24 hours before Saturday, you know, going into Friday evening and then Friday night, Saturday morning, it, things really started to ramp up and the severe weather threat signal was there. Right. Yeah. The, you know, the signal was there, you know, a day or so ahead of time. You know, we, we I remember we were talking about it, thinking about it in our forecast, but I don't know if any of us could have predicted, you know, ahead of time, just just how significant it ended up being. That was a really remarkable event. And it's not just remarkable for how late in the year it was, middle of November. But I mean, Long Island, Southern Connecticut, Rhode Island, I think we're at 10 or 11 total tornadoes in that area. Um, So that, you know, I think there were four, just four or five just on Long Island, which I believe is the most they've had in one outbreak on record. So, I mean, remarkable. Yeah, I mean, that's something you would expect to see in the summertime with a severe weather setup, but not not in the middle of November, you know, a week, a week and a half before Thanksgiving. But yeah, I mean, places like Long Island, Rhode Island, you know, the coast in Connecticut, they're not like severe weather hotspots. So I think even in the middle of summer, this would have been a pretty impressive event for that area. But it, it happened in November. So just, yeah, crazy. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, and then the hail aspect too. the, I mean, there were some hail reports, I mean, accumulating hail, not just like a little coating here and there. I mean, there were some areas that got, <laughs> looked like it had a, a couple inches of snow uh, across the area. Yeah. I, I saw some videos of that on, on social media from like the Hudson Valley. Yeah. Uh, I was personally driving around on I-80. Um, I was doing it, trying to get in front of the storm as a meteorologist. I was a little bored on a, on a Saturday. And I ended up quickly turning around because um, I was uh, kind of in western Morris County, New Jersey on I-80 right after the storm went through. The highway was covered in hail. It was slick and a couple people had spun out. Um, so I decided to get off the highway. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so crazy stuff. And we do see that sometimes if we in the rare event that we do get severe weather, you know, in the colder season, we do sometimes see, you know, more small hail than normal from these storms. But that was an incredible amount, something you rarely see around here. Yeah, I was going to say that, that type of accumulating hail is what you normally see, like in the Rockies yeah. and like the Midwest and things like that. And right. It was uh, it was crazy. But all right. Well, you know, hopefully we're done with severe weather until next spring. And, uh, you know, we're going to shift our attention, of course, back to winter. And, uh, you know, our first winter outlook came out in October. Uh, you and Mike Mahalik discussed it in a previous podcast. So, you know, I guess if you can, just give us a broad overview again of what you were thinking and what, you know, the overall forecast uh, idea was back in October as we get into uh, the winter. Yeah, the, the thinking, you know, back like September, October, yeah, when, whenever we recorded that um, was, you know, it's a La Nina winter and we'll get into what that means a little more here in a little bit, but you know, the big thing in a La Nina winter is usually it's colder to the North over Canada and it's warmer across the South. And usually there's a big gradient in between. So the thing with La Nina is across a lot of the United States where, where most of our listeners live is, is it going to be a kind of a colder flavor of La Nina? Is it going to be a warmer flavor of La Nina? What What's going to win out? The warmth from the south or the cold from the north? And a lot of La Ninas, it goes back and forth through the season. So, yeah, our thought was, you know, pretty cold across the northwest, the northern Rockies, the upper Midwest, uh, pretty mild across the south in particular, kind of from like the four corners to the southeast, um, and maybe a little bit cooler in the middle, like towards Texas, and then, you know, in between, you know, which is a lot of the country, a lot of ups and downs. The battleground. <laughs> right. And yeah, La Ninas are, are kind of classic for that battleground. And yeah, we even saw that last winter at times, too, which was a La Nina. Um, you know, it did get very, very cold in Texas last winter. So, again, you can get, you know, shorter term deviations from a, a typical pattern. Uh, but that's kind of what we were thinking. Cold, cold to the north, especially the northwest and milder to the south and a lot of swings in the middle. All right. So so since uh, you did uh, the first outlook and, you know, you had, of course, you had a lot of uh, other folks, you know, joining you in with the forecast. But, you know, basically your ideas were, you know, what we just talked about. Um, you see me glaring changes, though, now that we're in the mid-November and uh, any trends that you would maybe maybe waver one way or the other or everything still look pretty solid you know for in general the 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 big picture remains pretty similar um you know we're 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 getting to the point now where we're going to try to predict finer scale details you know up to a few weeks into the future and try and pin down the the ups and downs the inevitable ups and downs as best as we can and it does look like we're going to kind of start with a down or some cold weather i should say um, you know, the rest of this month into at least the beginning of December. 
um, which is which was something we were kind of uh, looking for off the bat was maybe some early cold. And it does look like we're going to get that. And from there, we're just going to kind of have to ride the trends and see how long the cold lasts and and when or if we we see a milder spell. Right. Now, you know, a lot of folks think maybe, you know, if it's it's oh, temperatures are above normal or, you know, sometimes you see the trends come out and you see it on TV, social media, the weather service, things like that. You'll see like, oh, well, it's above normal. It's going to be one to two degrees above normal over here for this upcoming two week period or the next month. But just because it's above normal or that's the average for those two weeks or four weeks doesn't mean it can't snow. I mean, it's still cold and it doesn't mean that every day is going to be two degrees above normal, but, you know, it may average out that way. You may have three-day period where it's five to six degrees below normal, you get a snowstorm and then it warms up again. So a lot of folks will see that. So maybe explain that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, so basically when we're, when we're putting together an outlook for the entire season, you know, we're, we're giving you the, the overall forecast for the entire three or four month period. And I mean, a lot of the country there, there's five or six months out of the year where it can snow. Um, so we, we're giving you kind of, you know, your, your day-to-day forecast that you might get every morning on the news, on your phone, or if you're one of our clients from Weatherworks, you know, that's where we'll predict day-to-day what your high and low temperature is going to be when it's going to rain. Um, however, um, the seasonal outlook is kind of a, a more general picture like, hey, you know, for December, we're leaning in a colder direction but that doesn't mean there can't be some milder days worked in. Because, yeah, like you said, you, you might get five cold days, three mild days. It averages a little cold, but those mild days still happen or vice versa. Right. I mean, you can hit 50 in December and then two days later have a nor'easter that's, you know, producing a foot of snow. Right. Even one day later sometimes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, the way the way the trends have been uh, this past uh, these past couple of seasons. Boy, and, you know, we just had uh, three years ago, you know, and that's something else I wanted to talk about. You know, three years ago, we had that that nasty mid-November snowstorm and it, uh, it it just came at a bad time of the day. And basically crippled northern New Jersey and New York City. The snow came in so fast and a lot of folks were on the road. I mean, does this upcoming season, I mean, does does the outlook right now, does it does it kind of portray that what happened three years ago? Or does it does it have any similarities or any kind of, uh, you know? Um, yeah, I will say, yeah, that, that storm uh, will always have a soft spot in my heart. My first New Jersey winter storm after I moved here um, and... Yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, is every every storm this exciting around here? But, um, you know, I will say that storm was very unique. I, I think it's going to be very hard for a storm that, I mean, it only produced like four to eight, six to ten inches of snow. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for a storm of that magnitude to have a crippling effect like that again, because everything came together perfectly. And part of the issue was it was the middle of November. And even though it was in the 20s and 30s for days leading up to it, People just didn't think it was going to stick. Um, we we forecasted it to stick um, days in advance, but I think a lot of the public, even some of the highway departments, they just didn't believe it was going to stick. No one was ready. And then an hour in, it was snowing an inch or two an hour, and everyone panicked and left to work at the same time, and the roads were just covered. So um, in terms of if we can see something like that this winter... Um, I mean, there's certainly an opportunity for for winter storms, especially when it's when it's colder. And again, we do expect some colder swings again the rest of this month. I do think through most of December, it ends up leaning pretty cold over a good chunk of the central and eastern United States. Um, So 
we will have to watch for for maybe a, a couple of bigger storms over the next month, month and a half across the central and eastern U.S. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Mike, uh, you and Mike talked about the uh, the North Atlantic, and you know, right along the coastal areas here, uh, where seawater temperatures are, are above normal. You know, and how does that really play into? I mean, granted, in the summertime, you know, hurricanes need the real warm water to really sustain themselves. In the winter, it's a little different. You need the differential between the cold and the warm air and the cold and warm water to really drive these cold core storms and these nor'easters. So how will that impact? Let's talk more about that, because that was uh, something you, Mike, uh, were chatting about a month or two ago. Yeah, so the waters off the East Coast are quite mild, quite a bit milder or warmer than than average and it does two things. It can make it a little bit more difficult to snow near the coast, especially early in the season before those waters cool off a little. But as you kind of mentioned, it, it can give more fuel to any storms that develop. Um, and that was probably part of the reason that November storm in 28, yeah, 2018 you were talking about was so impactful. It, it had so much fuel from the warm waters that it just snowed really hard. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It, it makes bigger storms, but it might make it difficult to snow right along the immediate coast early in the season. But yeah, the waters off the coast are very warm. So I, I, I do think, uh, you know, that that may lend itself to, a you know, a couple of bigger nor'easters uh, between late November and maybe early January this, this winter. Something that a lot of folks may not even realize that Weather across the other side of the world and in other continents, um, Siberia snow cover is actually, uh, uh, I guess, a uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's like a uh, it's kind a, of a teleconnection. Is that teleconnect? The word? But yeah. I mean, it's like a it's like a word I'm thinking of. Anyway, it's something you always see on social media. But anyway, how does that change since our first uh, winter outlook came out? I mean, because October snowpack was kind of like a a buzzword. That's kind of what I was thinking of. Yeah. You know, so Siberian snow cover, that's that's an example of something. So basically, the whole global pattern is somewhat connected because, you know, the entire atmosphere, it is one giant fluid. It's not like there's a wall in the atmosphere at, at a at a internet at an at an international border or at the coast. It all does somehow interact. Um, but yeah, Siberian snow cover, the theory goes is when, the snow cover in northern Eurasia, in particular Siberia, when that advances quicker than normal in the fall, especially in October, um, the, th the theory goes that that can lead to increased blocking patterns in the jet stream. So I'll, I'll define what blocking is. You know, typically the jet stream moves west to east and it's cold to the north of the jet stream and it is milder to the south of the jet stream. When you get blocking patterns in the jet stream in, in the higher latitudes, like closer to the North Pole, um, that the jet stream, it slows down and it buckles and it backs up. So that, that causes it to, to swing much more north and south. So that can cause a much more active pattern. It can also let colder air come south. Um, so the theory goes that when that Siberian snow cover advances quicker than normal in the fall, that may point to increased blocking in the winter months ahead. Um, the Siberian snow cover this year was very, very close to average. Um, so it's, it's not really a, a strong signal either way at, at the moment. 
Yeah, and and that blocking that uh, you know we're always if you're a snow lover, that's what you want. You want that that high over Greenland because, as you said, it it kind of acts like a almost like that acts like a wall because it stops the northern stream systems from really just kind of rotating in northern latitudes around the globe. So it's kind of pushed southward, and then anything can happen when you get something heading south towards the uh, the northeastern coast of the U.S. And you know you get the phasing, and you get storms that can you know, explode. And, and I'll tell you, you know, and, and again, we'll date ourselves here because this is uh, the middle part of November. You know, uh, the, the, the week of Thanksgiving right now is looking uh, kind of interesting, at least the early part of the week, uh, not Thanksgiving Day itself. But, well, you know, and this is something that you kind of hinted at in the, in the first winter outlook that, you know, it's going to be more of an active early part of the winter, maybe like late fall. So, you know, in the the, the early part of Thanksgiving week is looking more and more interesting now that we're getting some model data in and some guidance. Almost all the global models are hinting at, yeah, something's going to happen here. We're not exactly sure how big it's going to be or how they're all going to come together, but the, 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 the pieces are there, if you will, for the recipe to, to happen. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, that high latitude blocking, it's it's very important. So yeah, you were talking about a Greenland block that's called the North Atlantic Oscillation or NAO. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, they're probably weather fanatics. They've probably heard that that term before. That's that that's the Greenland block, the NAO. And yeah, that's very conducive for East Coast Nor'easters. Um, it's also huge for Western Europe, um, you know, because they're on the, you know, the other side of the Atlantic, on the other side of that block. Um, you know, another another area where blocking can be important is near Alaska um, or, or across the northern Pacific, because if there's a block over the northern Pacific, um, the coldest air in winter is almost always over Siberia. Uh, so if we get a block over the Pacific, the North Pacific, it can actually direct air from Siberia into uh, North America. So we actually do have some very strong North Pacific blocking right now. And and that's part of the reason why it's gonna it's gonna get relatively cold across a good chunk of the country later this month into the beginning of December. Right, because that that cold air comes out of Siberia. Siberia goes across the North Pole. Basically, it's cross polar flow flow. Yeah, polar, right into northern Canada, then south into the uh, central and eastern U.S. So that makes sense. And uh, again, with that blocking in place, you know, you got some pieces of energy coming around, and voila, maybe we're looking at our first, uh, I guess, winter. Nor'easter of the year because we did have a nor'easter a couple of weeks ago already, and uh, that one was uh, a little too warm. It, yeah, it was a it was a it was a good one though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we got about five inches of rain here in, in Hackettstown, New Jersey. So it was would have been a ton of snow a couple months later, but instead it was a ton of rain, which is okay. It was still October. Um, but yeah, you know, so yeah, as you were mentioning, we were targeting you know early in winter for maybe the first window. I think. I think this this is going to be a winter of windows. I don't think we see any one pattern lock in the entire season. I think there's probably going to be two windows where it's relatively cold with some blocking. And I think the first one is early. I think we're starting to get into it now. Um, I do think it it has a chance to relax for a time in January and February for a few weeks where it might might get quite mild across a good chunk of the, the central fall spring. <laughs> eastern U.S. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then it, it, I think there's a chance for, for cold and blocking to come back maybe later February into March to, to end the season. So, you know, thinking it's, it's starting to, you know, we're, th- that was kind of the thought early on. And that's not uncommon in a La Nina winter 
um, is for it to be very up and down. And I don't know, Brad, have we defined what a La Nina is? I, I know I mentioned it a couple times. Uh, I guess it's the opposite of El Nino. <laughs> yes, Brad, it is. <laughs> In <layman's> um, terms. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we're talking El Nino, La Nina. That's a phenomenon across the tropical Pacific where when it's a La Nina, the waters across the equatorial Pacific along the equator, they trend cooler than average, whereas with an El Nino, they trend warmer than average. Um, So they have significant impacts on the United States winter. So we're, we're looking at other La Nina winters that have similarities to this year. Now, Some La Nina winters end up being very mild and snowless, um, and those a lot of times are the stronger La Ninas. Uh, This is looking like it's going to be a weaker La Nina, so um, that's why I think... Snow lovers don't despair yet. (laughs) Right. You know, again, with a La Nina that... So one of the big effects in an El Nino and a La Nina... In an El Nino, the southern jet stream, the subtropical jet stream is stronger so we tend to have a lot more moisture riding across the southern United States in an El Nino, whereas in a La Nina, that southern jet stream is weaker. So sometimes we're lacking some some big moisture laden systems across the south. So in a La Nina, it can be inherently more difficult to get snow across the deep south or even even the southern mid-Atlantic just because of that quieter subtropical right, jet stream. Right, you don't stream. have the, the, the two jet streams kind of combining. In the right, but since it's a weaker La Nina, I, I still think we'll have windows for colder weather. And, you know, sometimes, like we saw last last year in early February, sometimes that cold weather can surge all the way to the Gulf Coast. So it's not to say it can't snow across the south or, or southeast or mid-Atlantic this year, but um, that is one issue that La Nina's have that can be a little bit more difficult. They tend to favor more like the the Ohio and Tennessee valleys, maybe into the Great Lakes, New England, and then it's a little bit more difficult farther south. But again, with a weaker La Nina, I think we'll have, you know, weaker La Nina's tend to have a lot more blocking in the pattern. So I do think we'll have some colder swings and colder windows. So when the blocking isn't there and it's uh, like you said, if we have our windows and we have our cold window, maybe with some blocking, some storminess, a couple of storm signals, maybe a nor'easter. But when the blocking isn't there, are we talking more just a a more zonal pattern from west to east quiet or or are we seeing more like a, a cutter type pattern where a lot of the storm tracks stay across the Ohio Valley and more of a warm up along the East Coast. But that then brings like Chicago into play for more snow. So is it more of a cutter season with that or or is it more just a zonal pattern, just kind of quiet and I guess relatively mild? I think it's I think it's I think it's honestly going to ebb back and forth between between all three. Um, Yeah. So I think there's probably a few patterns that we'll see at times this winter. I think I think there's a pattern where there's some blocking, and I think we'll, we're going to start seeing that soon, where it's cold across the central and eastern U.S., and that's going to be the best shot on the East Coast for maybe a couple bigger storms, um, especially farther north, like upstate New York, northern Pennsylvania, into New England. Um, I think that's one pattern. I think there there will be a time, maybe maybe it's later January or early February, where the blocking completely relaxes and any cold is confined to like Western Canada, the Northern Rockies, the Pacific Northwest. And that would be pretty mild for, for a good chunk of the central and Eastern United States, including even like the Midwest. And then I do think there's a pattern in the middle where, you know, we might see that maybe for a time in January um, and maybe, maybe again later in winter where, 
the cold air, it, it's not stuck as far west, but maybe it's more focused on like the upper Midwest with with mild weather on the East Coast. And that's when you get storm tracks, maybe through the Ohio Valley and Great Lakes that can get places like Chicago. So I, I do, I, you know, I, I think we'll see a few different flavors this winter. And I, I think the week La Nina kind of speaks to that because El Nino La Nina are, are one of the biggest pattern drivers in a given winter season. But when they're weak, you can get a lot more fluctuations. And I think we'll see that this year. I mean, that makes sense. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it just seems like it's just, it's been a, it's been a mild fall, but yet it seems like it's here in the Northeast at least, but it seems like it's, it's doing its, it's doing its own thing. Basically it's, it, it was warm. Yeah, it, was very, it was very, mi- very, very mild. Yeah, but in, it, in it is trending now towards where it's supposed to be. It's, it's mid November. Right. You know, we've had a couple of, like we said, some fringe snows. Uh, we've had some mild days, but it seems like now the warm ups are like one day strong cold front comes through. You know, then you get the the colder pattern for a couple of days. So it's it just seems like it's doing its normal thing. And and you know, once we get that blocking to to settle in for maybe a a week or so, then we'll have that that shot and that negative NAO. I mean, that'll give us our, our good shots for snow here in the Northeast. But uh, I mean, and I, I will say, if you're a if you're an East Coast uh, snow fanatic, or if you just want some cold and snow, um, oh, the mild October was was not a, a negative factor for that. Um, just because you know we we look at analog years; those are years with as many similarities to this year as we can find. Uh, just because our, our forecast computer models, some of them do run out, you know, several months. They're just not that accurate. So one of the one of the things we do is we look at other years that are similar to this year and see how they played out. And a lot of those years were mild in October. Did, November is when they started to split. And usually the years that stayed mild through November were very mild winters. An example of that is 2011, 2012, that winter. It actually snowed in October that year, Snowtober. Um, if you remember, right before Halloween, um, even even along I-95, there was some snow. And then just northwest of I-95, there was a ton of snow and did a lot of tree damage. Um, you know, and I think and then that was put, the most snow a lot of folks saw that whole season, right? Yes, yes. And then November it warmed up, and then that was pretty much it for the winter on the East Coast. Um, but but the years that got colder in November, like this one is doing, they tended to have at least windows of blocking. Now, most of our analogs were not cold and snowy all the way through. Uh, but a lot of them, as long as they started turning in November, which it looks like this year is, um, they had windows of blocking. So that that means maybe a, a, either a near average or a somewhat colder than average winter with a lot of ups and downs. I mean, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, it seems like the, this this November is trending in that direction. And it started mild and we started getting a couple of frosts and then we started getting a couple of freezes and now... You know, we're looking at uh, our first real big storm signal in the early part of uh, Thanksgiving week, and we'll just have to see how it unfolds. But, you know, if that's the if that's the pattern. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, you, you basically are, are sticking to everything you uh, kind of were thinking in October. I mean, no, uh, is there anything that you would kind of maybe tweak a bit or just are you happy with the way things are trending so far? You know, at the moment, I'm happy with the way things are trending. Um, this month was always going to be kind of a big measuring stick for me because, because again, a lot of the analogs are were pretty consistent with our forecast. You know, we're, there were about 10, 10 or so years we were I was really playing with. 
Um, you know, but there were two or three that were a lot milder and they tended to kind of start differing in November. So the, the years that were milder in November and, and had a big trough on the West coast and, and a big ridge over the Eastern U S in November, those tended to be milder winters, but, um, we, we don't have a big trough on the West coast, um, and, and it's trending colder here later through this month. So, you know, so far, so good. Things are on track. Um, something I'm going to be watching for is how the polar vortex, a big buzzword the last few years, interacts. And I'm not I'm not just talking. So, um, Brad, it's time for a, a brief science lesson here. Um, so we, there's there's several different levels of the atmosphere. We live in the lowest level. That is the troposphere. Um, and then the level above our head is the stratosphere. And the, the polar vortex is a feature in both the troposphere and the stratosphere in winter. And it's there every year. Um, it got some big buzz around 2014, 2015 when we got some cold snaps. But it's, it's been there all the time. Um, and it's there every year. But when the polar vortex in the stratosphere is either stronger or weaker than normal, um, it can point to either milder weather when it's strong, um, which is what happened two winters ago in 2019, 2020 record strong polar vortex, very mild winter for most of the country, or if it's weak, which is what happened last January and February, it can go the other way. It can give us uh, more, more cold, and more snow potential. So, so you mean when the polar vortex comes to my backyard? Yeah, basically. Cause, because when it's strong, it's very compact over the North pole, but when it's weaker, it can, you know, pieces of it can break off and, and come south. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and it can come towards uh, your backyard up in the Poconos. The, yeah, the, the old social media is like, when's a polar vortex going to hit my backyard? <laughs> of course, that's the big funny thing. You get but, yeah, on all seriousness, yes. It, it's So what you're saying and, and, and what most meteorologists, I mean, especially the folks that study the winter weather, when it's strong, it's basically it's it stays as is up in the North Pole, and as you get further south, harder, in latitude, harder to get blocking when the polar vortex is strong. Yeah, you need the you need the uh, you need it to be a little disturbed, if you will, and then that kind of shoots down different waves and gets the atmosphere kind of moving around a little bit more from north to south and east to west, and that's when you get all your different weather setups. Right, exactly. And you know, we we had a big disruption to the polar vortex last winter, and that that's pretty much when most of the winter weather happened, and that's when the big cold snap in Texas happened. Um, so really, the last two years kind of show what can happen if the polar vortex is strong or weak. Um, and right now, the polar vortex it's it's a little bit stronger than normal, but it's not too strong that it's it, that it's prohibiting anything. Uh, but that's something we're we're going to watch here through December and January because maybe you know if it keeps getting stronger through December, that might signal maybe some of those milder swings towards the middle of winter. Whereas maybe if it goes the other way and it starts weakening, you know that that could signal maybe something different. So that's 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 one piece I'm watching. Uh, we're also going to watch the La Nina if if it gets a little bit stronger here over the next month or or if it's peaked um because it, it's leveled off the last couple of weeks already so if the La Nina starts weakening pretty early that that might increase signal maybe less mild weather showing up in the middle of winter so there's there's still some trends we're watching with the polar vortex with the La Nina but yeah for now 
um, it's pretty much status quo. Nothing that that really suggests yet that things are going terribly different in either direction. Right. And e- even with the uh, the back to that polar vortex, even if there is a disruption that you can see in the guidance and it says, well, there's going to be a disruption to the polar vortex here probably in the next two or three weeks. It doesn't mean that's going to change immediately for anywhere in the southern latitudes, as soon as that disruption happens, it's usually even removed more than that, another week or so before there's actual weather impacts and weather pattern changes. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, polar vortex disruptions, they don't happen on time scales that social media, in particular Twitter, <laughs> right. like. Because sometimes, like take last year, for example, the polar vortex disruption happened in early January. But we saw signs that it was coming as early as November and the colder weather. It still took, like you said, a few weeks in in the United States for it to arrive after the disruption. So we started talking about it in November. We didn't get the payoff until January, two plus months later. So it, 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 it is a patience, you know, is, is the key word. Um, so but it's just something, you know, that, that we're watching long, longer term and you know, again, you know, winters, analog years that ended up having a strong polar vortex, they tended to, to be milder in the middle of winter. So just something we're keeping an eye yeah, on. And it doesn't mean you can't get snow and you can't get cold air. It's just that it's another driving, uh, another, you know, another uh, driving, I guess, weather. Yeah, kind of a fact, a driver, a, a, a teleconnection. Yeah. And that's the thing with long range meteorology. Like I said, it's all interconnected. So it's very rare that one factor determines the whole forecast unless something's really really strong um so yeah like you know it's just one more piece to the puzzle for sure well uh i mean i think that's about it jim i think we covered everything is there anything else you want to add uh, i mean this is the last time we'll talk about the winter forecast and then oh, well maybe next year we'll kind of rehash and see how we all did but uh hopefully uh the, i mean it looks again like the forecast is already panning out right and you know now it's just basically uh we'll just sit and see what happens yeah, exactly. You know, it, you know, so far things seem on track and yeah, there's just, we're always monitoring the pattern and, and trying to refine our predictions out a few weeks into the future. Because again, we, we are expecting a lot of ups and downs. It's just kind of a matter of when exactly those occur. So yeah, we're just kind of in the what, wait and see and, and refine as needed stage in the outlook. Right. And we, you know, we here at Weatherworks, we do uh, we do the winter outlook. And, you know, that's, again, a very generalization of what's going to happen in the next, you know, three to four months. And of course, we have our winter risk that comes out and has more of a a window over the next week or two of what's going to happen in the northeast Midwest. And of course, we have our daily forecast here that come out to our clients. And that's when we get very specific. And that's when we can talk about snow amounts and snow times and when it's going to start, when it's going to end, when it's going to change over to rain, if it does, or it's going to change back over to snow. So, you know, these are all, you know, that's the weather. That's how weather works. You know, the general long range forecast and you get the very specific 24 to 48 hour forecast and we supply them all here at Weatherworks. So, uh, uh, and that's uh, kind of what we're, it's going to be an exciting time. That's for sure. So we're, uh, we're all looking forward to winter here and those long days, <laughs> Jim, you know how those work. Yeah, yeah, always, uh, yeah, those those days where we have storms, we're usually working, you know, much longer than the typical late-hour shift, so I'm Bones sure Bones are ringing we'll... off the hook, but you know what, that's what we're there for, and uh, we... It we, goes uh... by quickly. All right, well, that just about does it for us here at the Weather Lounge, and we'll see you in about two weeks for another podcast adventure. Don't forget, you can check us out, weatherworksinc.com. 
stay safe, everyone, and enjoy the winter that's about to happen.